checked by Murphy. Murphy starts the rush. He hits Hunter. He's in alone. A shot and a goal. Juno finds Bellows. Here's Bellows sweeping in. Hush it down. Loose hook and goal. Joey Juno scores the goal. And the Capitals are headed to the Stanley Cup final. And now Cruz nets off right half. 720 to go. Cruz, he's going to move to the front. The shot he holds and it's gone. It is what it is. Let's talk a little bit about what has been interesting this uh, preseason. Our listeners probably have heard it the last couple of days. Um, I had Isabel Kershuti on to talk about it a bit. But I wanted to get your guys' take, uh, especially on the defense, because I think that's really the most interesting battle of camp. Um, so, Pat, what are your really overall thoughts? I thought you had a pretty interesting point on uh, Twitter yesterday where you actually liked you, uh, Lucas Johansson, and I, I kind of I haven't so far. So what, what makes you like him, and uh, what are your overall thoughts? Um, I I was just impressed by his skating ability and kind of his his decision making with the puck. Um, by no means did I think that he looked as if he should make the team uh, at his age. With nineteen, uh, you, you got to blow people away to make a team uh, at that age, just because playing eighty two games is uh, you know a lot different than looking okay in a couple preseason games. Um, but I was impressed by him. I you know I didn't expect to. Um, be as impressed by him as I was given that he's 19, but I would think if he can continue to progress, like next year he will challenge for a roster spot, I think, because I think he already kind of made some noise this year at 19. Um, And given the way he can skate and the way he makes decisions with the puck and uh, can kind of hit guys in stride with passes, all things that defensemen in today's NHL can do. I I think he's, uh, I'm, I'm more excited for his future uh, on the team than I was before this preseason. Yeah, you know, I uh, I guess I just kind of bought into the hype because Brian McClellan was talking him up so much during the summer um, that I kind of was hoping to see a bit more from him. Uh, I personally thought he looked pretty outclassed. But, Stephen, what did, uh, what did you think from the young 19-year-old? Um, I mean, I didn't watch him too carefully, but I do feel like I got caught up in the hype a little bit, too. I think that it bodes well for the future. I didn't really think that he was in any way going to have a high likelihood of making the team. That's a roundabout way of uh, putting it. But I I like the fact that he's in the stable and that he showed some flash and some poise. And so, you know, like, I think and many outlets and and some of the stuff we've talked about and you've talked about with, with uh, Isabel as well, that this is going to be something in flux just because Johansson is not uh, Johansson, sorry, is not going to be uh, at Capitals camp now doesn't mean that he might not get a, get a taste of NHL action in January or February or go on one of those trips where uh, Trotz likes to reward guys and keep them on the bench for a roadie or something like that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed that he's more, I guess, higher on the depth chart than, than maybe I had 
the thought when he was drafted, you know, but soon after he was drafted. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Capitals' loss in the expansion draft definitely um, really elevated uh, Johansson just because they needed another left-handed D. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. And, and really that second left-handed D spot now seems to either belong to Aaron Ness or Christian Juice. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Um, I actually think Ness, I haven't been overly impressed with Ness in what I've seen with him when he's been up with the caps, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, 10 games over a two season span or something. And I've, I've seen a little bit of him at Hershey. I don't catch a lot of the bears and I've never been overly impressed by him, but I thought, I think what I've seen of him in the preseason, he's looked really good. Um, kind of, he was kind of an afterthought for me coming into camp, I think, uh, but now, having seen him in a few preseason games, I think at this point he might be the front runner for that second, um, the second lefty spot next to Carlson. Um, and he did. Pra- I think he practiced next to Carlson today as well. Um, but yeah, I came. I've come away a lot more impressed with Ness than I expected to be. Um, and Juice, I think, has been has been fine. I haven't. Um, seen anything that's really troubled me with him and i haven't really seen anything that made me go oh it makes sense why this guy put up so many points in the hl last year um but as of now um i like more what i've seen from nest than juice but obviously uh juice is a lot younger um and has shown at the hl to be a more complete player i think if that i don't know if that's the right word but his point totals clearly put to shame i think what ness has done in hershey now the question is: Do you think you'd weigh those point values high enough to um, kind of overlook some of the things that people might say he's lacking, uh, namely being size? Uh, I guess I'll go back to Pat real fast, and I'll see what you've got to say, Stephen. Um, I mean, it's it's something to consider, but I don't think it's one. I don't think it's a thing that you can consider. Uh, you can make like a total mark against him, rule him out just because of his size. I think in the, his first preseason game, I noticed him. Definitely get muscled off a few pucks, but I've seen that happen to guys a lot bigger than him too. And you got to consider the whole picture when looking at him, not just his size. Steve, what do you think? Well, I mean, Aaron Ness is kind of a known quantity. So he's got some NHL experience. He had a pretty long tour with the Islanders a few seasons back. He played in some injury fill-in roles for the Caps last year. Um, and uh, I believe the year before, uh, but you know he's one that's you what you see is what you get he's a good skater he makes some sound conservative but sound decisions um and would probably be the type of guy you would think a Barry Trotz would want to start the season unless Christian Hughes really uh really shows that he deserves the spot from day one which you know that's been an area where, and the defense is one. You know we've we focused in on it here, and it's been a focus all camp. And and I really feel like while it's preseason and we're seeing the team play against uh, AHLers, recent draft picks, half and half as far as NHL regulars, that this is this is really uh, go time for these guys that are playing for jobs. And I, I haven't, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of that. Um, but you know, it's hard to say, maybe it just takes, uh, uh, a guy like you some time to get, um, get up to NHL speed and, uh, you know, maybe there's some nuances to it that, that make him maybe more suited than Ness because he's got a higher upside. But I have a feeling that Ness is the guy who starts the season just because, 
Uh, he's someone that Trots might trust more. Um, I, it makes me think about the recent episode you did with Rob Volman, where you asked him about how people think that Barry Trotz is loath to put young guys in uh, key roles and that he is somewhere in the average to low average as far as NHL head coaches go at doing that. So, um, you know, maybe we'll see Juice start the season, but I don't know that I've seen a whole lot. I mean, it's kind of been unimpressive, maybe in the way the coach thinks that way too, that that the, the younger guys have not really uh, stood out on the back end. Yeah, you know, I don't really think they've stood out too much either, Stephen. Um, I think I was kind of hoping to see someone kind of more take the reins and run with it. And uh, I don't think we've seen that yet. So, um, you know, the guy who I think's played best hasn't really got a whole lot of time at all, and that's uh, Madison Bowie. Um, and he wasn't a guy that I was really had that high expectations for this year just because I didn't think he really showed any progression uh, during last year in the AHL. But, uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on Bowie? Um, similar to you, I was a little skeptical of his chances to make the team given the year he had last year. It wasn't like he was beaten down the door by the end of the year in the AHL, but, uh, also similar to you, Adam. Um, (laughs) I think, I think he's looked good and I think he's going to get real consideration for that third spot on the right side, uh, next to Orpic and, yeah, I would say out of all the guys vying for a spot, um, he's impressed me as much as anybody and probably the most. I mean, the left side, nobody stood up and really um, taken the reins and taken charge like Stephen was alluding to. But on the right side, I, th- I think Bowie, Bowie's looked pretty solid. And uh, I'll say his name right, you know, five times out of ten probably. Um, but I, th- I think he's looked solid, and I'm definitely more confident in his ability to play some third-pairing minutes than I was um at the you know the end of last year and the beginning of camp yeah I mean it's it's great to have some more confidence in these young guys and uh Bowie's definitely been one of the better ones recently so um I don't know Steven what, what else really stood out to you among these these young players anything on the back end I mean I know we're not that far into camp but uh we're far enough to start having some thoughts well just one thought on Bowie that he he did seem to make some some rather uh, high-end and impressive plays on the breakout and, and transitioning to offense that is something you need and maybe uh, not so much on the third pairing, but you know if he's going to be in the top six, you want him to show some of that uh, transition game and not just be one to 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 clear the crease and, and move the puck around the corners and not really contribute all that much offensively. I think they expect a lot from him on that front. But he'll, um, I, I think it bodes well for him because he can be paired with Orpic, as uh, Pat mentioned today, uh, some of the, the, the pairings that Orpic was with Bowie and that if Bowie doesn't perform so well in that role, well, Chorney's there to fill in and play with Brooks Orpic. So it's a little bit easier, I think, or maybe more palatable for the coaching staff to put Bowie in that position because it's a sort of a lower risk. Um, whereas having him in the top four, like we've been talking about Aaron Ness versus Christian Hughes is, is a tougher call. Yeah. It, it, there are a lot of things that are a bit tougher to call. And I, I guess Schmidt doesn't really, not Schmidt, I'm sorry. Bowie doesn't really have the kind of competition <laughs> that, uh, that the guys on the left side do. 
Um, I, I know there were some interesting line combinations that came out today, and, and I know, Pat, you've been a little worried about seeing Jakob Rana on the second line, and it, lo and behold, it looks like the Capitals have decided to give him some time on the third um, unit. Well, what are your overall thoughts on kind of what the Capitals might be do, may or may not be doing with these line combinations? Um, I really like what they're doing with, I think, what's being called the first line, the Backstrom, Burakovsky, and Oshie line. Um, I think that line will be able to play with anybody in the league. I think you can put them out against the top line of the opponents, and I think they'll be able to outplay them, outscore them. I like that line a lot. Um, the Verona thing, uh, it partially has to do with, um, like you said, me worrying about <laughs> his uh, the defensive capabilities of line with him and Kuznetsov and Ovechkin as Verona's learning the NHL game. Um, but it also has to do with the third line. I think the third line... Um, with Connolly and Wilson, if you put them there, I think uh, lacks a certain offensive flair. Whereas if you um, bump a guy up like Connolly or Wilson, um, it can give the second line a little bit more stability defensively, maybe. Um, and if Verona goes down, I think it can give the third line a little bit more um, offensive firepower. So I think it's like a, a win-win or a win-win-win, as Michael Scott would say, uh, by putting Verona down on the third line. Yeah, we want to see teams separate their talent. Uh, you know, there's that research out there now about that really being the right way to go. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm a little hesitant. Uh, I mean, I guess Brett Connolly is looking like a guy in the second line right now. And um, Connolly was a guy who was riding the pine pony in uh, the playoffs last year. So uh, I'm not really sure what's made them change their tune, but... We'll, we'll see if that holds. Steven, what do you think about the combinations and, and maybe a bit more about uh, the play of Jakob Vrana? Yeah, I agree with the idea about splitting up the or spreading out rather the offense a little bit. Um, I, I feel like the Brett Connolly on the second line experiment is maybe an insurance policy in case Verona doesn't work out on that line with the aforementioned and the perhaps lack of a defensive game or one yet to be seen. And, you know, I, it reminds me a little bit of several years back when people used to talk about how Eric Fair had such limited ice time but got a lot of production out of it. And so Brett Connolly similarly in very few minutes was able to put up 15 goals. And so maybe with his, with more minutes and on the second line, he's going to uh, proportionally perform better and make up some of those goals that were lost to uh, the loss from uh, Justin Williams and Marcus Johansson departing. And Verana, you know, we don't know what we're going to see from him. Neither does the coaching staff along a, an NHL schedule. So it might be an insurance policy. And I think that Connolly has shown enough to see what he can do at a higher level uh, or rather at a higher line, more consistency up there. And Verana will just have to. I mean, you remember Burakovsky was on the fourth line when he first uh, <laughs> made a tour, and, and Kuznetsov as well had to sort of work his way up. So maybe Trotz is going to take that approach and give him the taste of second-line duty but not put him out there to start the season. Well, Burakovsky was able to tally in his NHL debut, and Kuznetsov's debut was at the end of Adam Oates's. Uh, rather d disastrous tenure, so Ouch. Uh, I'd li I think I'd <laughs> like to see uh, Verona given a bit more opportunity. I thought he looked okay when he was up with the Caps last year, and I thought he was uh, exceptional on the power play. Um, besides that, I'm, I'm not as sure, but um, on the power play, I thought he definitely looked good. Um, guys, there aren't a lot of whole other 
real positions up for grabs besides the fourth line. And uh, more and more every day, I sort of think that there's a chance Alex Chason's going to be a guy who's going to make the team. Pat, what do you think about him? Um, it, it, I think that he's his NHL experience, and you know, he scored 12 goals last year, and there he's coming into a team that's injecting a lot of guys without NHL experience into the lineup. And um, uh, like we talked about earlier, Trotz is kind of a guy who I, I do think he uh, gets given a harder time than deserved with putting young players into the lineup. But at the same time, there there is some um, hesitation on his part. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he made the team, if they gave him a contract just based off of uh, his NHL experience um, and the lack of depth on the right side without Williams there. Um, and I, you know, he's about what I expected to see from him. He looks like a guy who would be fine in a bottom six role. I don't know if necessarily he's going to be any better than a lot of the other options there, but, uh, I think the experience factor will, uh, could possibly be the thing that, um, gives him the edge and gets him a contract. Now, Steven, I don't know about you, but, uh, I mean, Chason's fine and all, but the only guy who I think's a lock in that top or bottom six that did not have a contract, uh, you know, or hadn't been playing in the NHL last year, is Nathan Walker. Uh, what have you kind of thought about his play so far? Well, similar to what I said about the defense, he really has taken charge and considered this his, I mean, that first preseason game, it was like his game seven, and, and he really showed it, and he really performed well, and he's done everything that's been asked of him and more. So, you know, I'm hoping that, um, and there, there have been a lot of comments, uh, particularly from the head coach, about um uh, how when camp started that Liam O'Brien was a guy who sort of wasn't expected to make the team and really impressed and ended up making the roster and played 13 games. Nathan Walker came in with a little bit higher expectations. I, I hope he lasts more than the 13 games. I'm a little bit skeptical at the same time that I think his play has been great of being able to keep up that high level over the course of the season, but he's done everything that's been asked of him. And so, uh, you know, size maybe is a little bit of a concern, but he's, he's outperformed his size, I think. And, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do, uh, you know, over a tough road trip or some back-to-back games. And, um, you know, I hope he keeps it up, but I think that, I think that he's all but a lock to make, uh, the fourth line at this point. What do you think about Walker, uh, Pat? Yeah, I think he's looked great. Um, I think just like Steven said, he's come in and <laughs> kind of taken the bull by the horn, so to speak. And uh, I, I think I think he's pretty much a lock to make the fourth line. I would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't start the season um, with the team and also on the fourth line, given uh, the way that they talked about him before camp and given the way that he's played. So who do you think is the uh, other guy to kind of round out that bottom? Um, you know, I'm going to say Smith Pelly. I think that he's, uh, again, there's the experience factor. There's that he's done it for stretches at the NHL level, that he's got a little bit of he, – he's shown uh, a, sort of a bigger toolbox than some of the others out there. I mean, Grayovac, Tyler Grayovac has played – well in what one preseason game and you know he wears 91 so that's uh that's a, that's a tough uh <laughs> it's a tough jersey to fill um but i you know size wise he does it 
uh, I just don't. I mean, he came out of nowhere, at least in my mind. So I don't know that that stays, that sticks rather. And the rest of the guys in contention, I mean, Chandler Stevenson, I, I, I'm a little bit puzzled by the talk about him. Um, it feels somewhat like wishful thinking that uh, that the organization seems really bullish on him. I, I just don't. I don't know what they see. Um, the other guys, I I just don't I don't know. I mean, unless there's some injuries, but just to make this make the team at a camp, uh, I'm gonna go with Smith Pelly. Man, I hope it's not Smith Pelly. But what are your thoughts, Pat? I think it's gonna be Smith Pelly as well. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I mean, I, th- I think chances are the fourth line will probably be Walker, Beagle, and Smith Pelly, and then uh, probably either Chase on or Grailvac, and uh, uh, and maybe Stevenson. But I don't think he's done anything to earn it as a thirteenth forward. But yeah, I think I think Smith Pelly is going to make the team, and I think he's probably going to be in the opening night lineup. Tell us why, String. Why no love for DSP? He's just not that good, guys. I mean, I'd rather see a young player kind of start to make his mark in the NHL and give him a shot. Than, than wasted on a veteran who hasn't really been able to do anything at the NHL level when he, you know he's had his chance and he's uh, the Capitals have enough grinders on their team I don't think they need any more. Uh, All right, wait a minute, wait a minute though. So which other guy has the upside that you'd want to see? I'm okay with seeing Stevenson play. I think he's not he's not great or maybe see Boyd. You know, uh, All right. one of these guys I think is worthy of consideration. Um, so that's that, that's my hope, but. Uh, you guys may be right. We, we shall see. Um, Pat, uh, I, I, know, I know you're just a guy full of thoughts on, uh, on capitals and line combinations and all this other stuff. <laughs> and, and we've we've already talked a little bit about the various line combinations, but um, you talked about really liking the first line. What about it do you like uh, besides their success in that very small time together at the end of the postseason last year? Uh, you took away my first bullet point there, Adam. Um, I don't want to make it too easy for you. <laughs> I, th- I think um, the Burakovsky and Backstrom combination has been awesome when they've gotten the chance to play together. Um, last year at the beginning of the season, the Burakovsky, Backstrom, Marcus Johansson line, I wish they'd stayed with that all year. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just out there playing, uh, taking the tough assignments against the top lines, taking more defensive zone draws than anybody, and... I think they they had like 60% possession, you know, in shot attempts and they broke them up. And I've always, so I've always liked Burkowski and Backstrom together for that um, because of that. Um, And I think of all the people on the roster, especially when you look at right wings, I think when you want a line that can kind of carry a heavy load, but also um, produce offensively, I think Oshie's naturally the best fit there. Yeah, you know, with uh, the loss of Mojo, I think uh, Marcus Johansson, it's definitely the best possible combination uh, for them. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, and um, I'm kind of sad that um, they've lost the third uh, crown of that Trey Cronor line, which I, I really <laughs> thought w- w- could have been an exceptional line uh, for the whole season. And um, It's going to be an interesting year because we have to see Burakovsky grow with these elevated minutes. Uh, Steven, what are your kind of thoughts on the lines? And uh, I, I know that we've kind of now circled back on this, but um, I, I'm really am curious to see what you think about the different compositions and, and kind of what the Capitals are trying to get from each of their different lines. 
Well, I mean, I agree with the idea that Burakovsky really needs to get uh, his game to the the next level and the organization needs the next level out of him. So being on the top line and uh, and you can't can't argue with that small sample size in the postseason other than it's a small sample size in the postseason. But it was a good one and it's a great harbinger of things to come. And you really need that if the team is going to be successful um, and it sort of meshes well with the idea of Ovechkin not carrying the load so much and he's a second line left winger now and he's not going to be expected to do what may have been expected of him in the past and Burkowski's got to be the guy because Netsov's got to be the guy um so I like it and it's uh just that second line that we've been talking about that is going to be interesting to see because it's it's got to be a it's got to be a top scoring line in order for um, the team to be e- even close to as successful as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, the Capitals have a lot of offense they have to make up for, and uh, so far that's been a bit of a struggle during the preseason. Pat, what have you thought? I mean, again, it's preseason, but what have you thought about the overall lack of offense so far from the Capitals? Um. I, I don't know necessarily that my concerns about the team are going to be swayed too far one way or the other based off of the preseason games. Um, I think the team might struggle to produce offense this year. Um, I think the top six is pretty set, but this is a team that got a lot of production from the bottom six last year. Um, and I think that uh, I don't, I don't think that they will get that kind of production this year. And I also think they're going to struggle um because of the lack of depth on the blue line. Um, I think their transition game might struggle. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the team's, uh, offensive firepower, I guess, relative to last season, <laughs> you know, which is to say against, you know, one of the better teams in the NHL. Um, but I don't know necessarily that the preseason has, um, caused me more concern than I had before camp opened. So do you think that they're a playoff team or uh, or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I okay. would pretty confidently think they're a playoff team. Yep. Yeah, that's my thought as well. Uh, Pepper, what do you think? Uh, are th- w- Whether they're a playoff team or not? I mean, I, yes. I, I guess I'm concerned about how things started last season. You remember that it seemed like the Caps were not blowing the doors off of everybody, but performing pretty well, and still they were – in the wild card spot in the Metro. And there's talk about Columbus improving, Carolina improving. And so couple that with the fact that the defense is going to be in flux for a while and we'll sort of see how it goes. Um, it concerns me a little bit that we could see again, a very, very strong Metro and the caps playing catch up because they've been sort of so, so through the months of October and November, but I, I think it's a playoff team, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to win the Metro. I think they'll be somewhere in the middle of the pack, and like I think we've talked about this off season, that's probably good for them. All right, guys, here we go. I'm going to mix it up on you. If the Capitals are out of a playoff spot at Thanksgiving, do they have a new coach entering December? Uh, starting with you, Pat. Uh, hmm. <laughs> pretty black and white thing that there's probably a gray area on um but i'll just say yeah it, it would not surprise me if they got off to a slow start and it lasted until the end of november, november. yes i would think they would have a new coach by then what about you steven 
Yeah, I agree. And and I would even say that, that Troy Mann might get strong consideration depending really? on how many uh, Hershey Bears are playing for the Caps at that point, maybe thinking about the Mike Sullivan experiment. Well, I I, I have no faith in Troy Mann. I, and I don't watch a ton of Bears games, but um, the Bears have not been a great like analytical team the last handful of years. We can say that's because their roster isn't the best. But, hey, I'm uh, not saying it's a good decision. Uh, I'm just saying that sounds like <laughs> something I would think the organ. I, I could see the organization doing that. Is, yeah. is sort of what I should say. I, I just hope that's not the the way they go. Just because I, I just don't have a lot of faith that he's kind of an innovative coach. And even if you just listen to the kind of stuff he says, he, he doesn't quite come across to me as a really uh, progressive guy. Um, you know, I, not that he's a Dale Hunter light or anything, but I don't want to see any more of that in Washington. And I am basing this off of not a ton of Troy Mann experience, but just what I've seen of that team and, and read about their kind of uh, analytical-based performance. But uh, So, so Pepper, let, let's say things do, do go well. I'm coming back to you again, Pepper, just because, you know, Pat passed off last time I wanted to ask him a question. Um, <laughs> w- would you be betting on Evgeny Kuznetsov fulfilling kind of his uh, – meeting his expectations this year? Because they got to be a lot higher on this kid. He's now the second highest paid player on the team. Um, I mean, does that mean he's going to put up numbers like like Backstrom did last year? I, I think uh, I think he could come close to that. I think it's possible, but it, it's going to depend on. I mean, if he's got a guy like Jacob Verano on his wing, is is Verano going to finish? And so it's hard to say. I mean, he doesn't have control over that. It's going to depend on how how uh, consistent and productive his wingers are. But I think he certainly has it in him. Yeah, I'm confident that um, he will produce like a top line center, both he and Backstrom, really. Um, and you know, he he signed for the going rate of what a a first line center in the NHL signs for these days. And yeah, I'm confident he'll produce at that level. You're conf- You guys are a bunch of confident guys right now. I don't know what, how, <laughs> how I feel about. This. I mean, there's plenty I'm not confident about, but Kuznetsov is one of the things that I'm choosing to trust. Well, in. What are you not confident about? Well, let's, <laughs> I, I want to hear what that all is. The, all the defense we talked about earlier, and the entire <laughs> bottom six we talked about. <laughs> oh, so the stuff we already touched on. All right, very exciting. Right. <laughs> well, Pat, I mean, you're just you're just not giving me a lot to work with here, bud. I mean. T- t- w- what do you think about Ovechkin? Let's wrap this up here, and let's wrap it up talking about the guy that that's been the face of this franchise for, God knows how many years now, uh, borderline thirteen years or so. Um, he's older. Uh, he's, he doesn't have to be the center of the team. Steven talked about that earlier with Burkowski, Kuznetsov, and Verona really having to step up. Um, what do you think is going to happen, Pat? Uh, do you think that Ovechkin's got enough in him to help lead a team uh, on another Cup run, or, or do you think he's just going to have to? be a 30 goal guy and just a a good NHL player. Yeah. I I think the days of him being a superhuman force out there are probably over. Um, You know, we did say that about him, uh, I guess during the like Hunter type area when his um, goal totals went down in the thirties and then he proved us all wrong, but he's a lot older now. Um, So yeah, I think, I think he can still be a, guy who you can count on in your top six as a winger at five on five and i think he's still going to be really lethal on the power play um and still be 
you know, I would be surprised if he didn't finish in the top 10 or top 20 in goals in the NHL. I'd be really surprised, actually, if that didn't happen, which is still really good and, you know, is going to be considered a leader of a team with those kind of goal totals. Um, but obviously, I, I do think uh, it's going to be a far cry from what we saw from him um, during the prime of his career. Now, Stephen, um, I want to get your ta- your take on Ovechkin, but I'm also curious what you think about Braden Holpe. I mean, he's a guy who's got a lot of weight on his shoulders, and he's really going to have to do a lot more this year because the Capitals' defense just simply isn't going to be as good. So what are your thoughts on both uh, Ovechkin and Holpe? Uh, um, well, starting with Holpe, I, I think that, yeah, he definitely has more pressure on him. I'm not sure which way that cuts because he may be getting uh, he may be getting more shots and that may be a good thing like he likes to talk about and a lot of goaltenders will say that um, but but then the question is well what what kind of shots will he be facing um, you know are we gonna see more like um, you know are we uh, it were, were the playoffs uh, against Toronto an anomaly or is this something that might uh, still be in his head and might affect him if he starts, facing uh, an inordinate number of high danger shots, not that he's been used to in a while and uh, has some, some early setbacks. Uh, will the uh, slight shuffling in the goaltending coaching affect him at all? Probably not. Um, I, I think that it's, um, you know, he might feel maybe a little bit less pressure given that Philip Grubauer is still in the fold and everyone thinks very highly of him. Um I know I, I could imagine him getting uh, slightly less work than he did last year, but uh, I, I think he's shown that he's been pretty consistent. So I'm not really worried about him, uh, you know, unless the the defense completely collapses, which uh, <laughs> seems like we're all concerned about <laughs> somewhat. But I, I'm not too worried about him. About Ovechkin. I think he can get to 40 goals. That would be, I would think, a great season for him. And like, uh, you know, like has already been said, he's still very dangerous on the power play. I don't feel like he's the five-on-five threat that he used to be. And it seems like every season we're kind of waiting for him to reinvent his game and and train better. And, you know, everyone's desperate looking for reasons to to latch onto as to why he's going to reinvent himself again and and he did uh, under adam oates um but uh you know that's like like pat said it's been a while so um i i think he can hit 40 goals that would be that would be probably the upper limit i would i would predict for him this year pat i'm going to give you one chance to talk about hope because um i you know i think goaltending is one of the great things in this game that uh we kind of allow to fly under the general analytical radar sometimes just because uh it's more fun to kind of talk about the team game because goalies are uh, i guess the expression is goalies are voodoo you know they're, they're something that we don't really seem to be able to predict very well they're all over the place but uh brayden hope he's been good for a couple of years what do you think uh, we're gonna see from him uh i mean I, I don't really have any concerns coming out of the playoffs even though he wasn't on top of his game um sure that always could be a point that we look back on is when you know hope he wasn't the same after this or something but as of now um you know the sample size is big enough that i have a lot of faith in him and if he has a big year he has the ability to cover up for a lot of other deficiencies on the team that we might be uh worried about uh existing this season now 
guys i really appreciate both of you taking the time to come and record this podcast and uh i, I know that we're all pretty busy guys and i hope uh we'll have both you guys on more as the uh year kind of gets started and we can kind of uh hopefully talk about a team that's pleasantly surprising us with all these great young talents <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on good talking to you guys yeah definitely uh steven you have any last words no man but i'm up optimistic it's uh it's a preseason hope springs eternal or something like that oh i'm steven. excited oh steven <laughs> what, what a great attitude all right it's gonna guys. be a lot of fun it I'm is gonna be a lot fun. Of unknown quantities i yeah. do like the unknown is nice sometimes well guys <laughs> um i hope all of our listeners uh i'm sure most of you guys already follow us on itunes or subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you're using but five star ratings and all that stuff or facebook likes and twitter shares really help us get the word out so we really appreciate it and we look forward to giving you guys more content as the season really gets going so on behalf of Stephen pepper pat holden and myself thanks for listening to this episode of japers rink radio